This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. When we started, when we got hired, you know, all we had was a logo. I mean, that was it. We had nothing else. We didn't have any other crew people. Uh, we didn't have a single piece of videotape. Uh, we didn't have any music. We had nothing, you know, and uh, working with, you know, Jared Stacy, uh, you know, Mike Miriano, uh, you know, we, we started to build those things and build a team and build a crew. And, you know, we when we got, you know, Al and Kirk and, and Kaylee settled, obviously that was a big deal. But, you know, Rich, uh, it, it, it was even different than when I went to NBC because when I left Monday night to go to Sunday night, um, you know, NBC was a, you know, a sports broadcaster and they had great people like Pierre and other people like that. So Drew and I walked in and, you know, we inherited a great team and we had to create, you know, a lot of things, but we had the infrastructure in place to do it and the people and the, and the professionals, you know, here, you know, we had it like, you know, we were like the cavemen, you know, we were just going out and foraging and, you know, figuring out how we were going to get all this stuff done. Uh, I'm really proud of, you know, uh, what everybody did. I think, you know, the Amazon folks were terrific, you know, just about really taking our, you know, lead on a lot of things. And they had a lot of great ideas as well, which is, which is what we all hoped. But when you start with nothing and then you end up where you are last night, that's a lot of work. Hey, everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Two guests this week on the podcast, two excellent guests and very, very timely. Fred Gadelli is the executive producer for Thursday Night Football Prime Video, where he leads that game production, headlined by broadcasters Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, Kaylee Hartung, Fred Gadelli, one of the uh, most accomplished people in NFL production, long, long time point person for Sunday Night Football, you know, multiple Emmy Award winners. He's done a million Super Bowls. He's been on this podcast before. Pierre Musa is the lead director of Thursday Night Football on Prime Video. Also, again, long um, and accomplished career at NBC. He is currently the point producer when it comes to, or the point person, I should say, when it comes to NBC's Premier League coverage. So if you like NBC's Premier League coverage, Pierre Musa is a major part of that, and he has done 
many, many things at NBC, including the NFL. We're getting these guys uh, one day after their opening game between Kansas City and San Diego at Arrowhead. And so obviously a very, very monumental day for the NFL, a very, very monumental day for Amazon, the, uh, the beginning of their exclusive Thursday night football package, uh, which is an 11-year deal and uh, likely will sort of change how the NFL is broadcast in the future, I think certainly after this, uh, this initial deal uh, with all the current networks uh, goes through. So they were very, very good enough to come on, talk about how they saw the experience. We talked about uh, what they want to improve on, talked about some of the things that obviously people experienced, including um, some tech issues uh, that people at home experience. We get into all that, talk about how you build a production from scratch, a massive, massive undertaking, and uh, and the booth, and sort of how that came together, and what they think of, uh, of Kirk and Al, and that combination. So a uh, 45-minute conversation with um, two of the really, really good people at what they do. Fred Gadelli and Pierre Musa coming up on the Sports Media Podcast. All right. As I said at the top, um, um, I'm excited to do this podcast. These are two people um, who I have a lot of respect for um, in their world, the world of sports television production. You know, they're the equivalents of whoever you think are the best in the business in terms of on-air talent. You know, you want to equate them to like... Uh, you know, the Rebecca Lowe's or something like that. That's that's where these two guys uh, are in terms of what they do level-wise. Fred Gadelli, who's been on this podcast before, he is the executive producer for Thursday Night Football on Prime Video, where he leads the game production team, headlined by Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, Kaylee Hartung. Pierre Musa is the lead director of Thursday Night Football on Prime Video. Honestly, it would take like 20 years to go through both of their resumes. Google both of them. They have, you know, they've won a ton of Emmys. Pierre has been the point person for NBC Sports' Premier League coverage, which is uh, uh, routinely gets praised and rightly so. Fred obviously was the longtime point person for um, Sunday Night Football. So uh, not to kiss their ass here, but they really do have good credentials, to, to, just to be very blunt. Let me, before we start, just note that uh, Tim Buckman, uh, who's a VP of PR for Amazon Sports Division, he asked to sit on this call. Um, that, in truth, I think I've said this before on this podcast, that it's not something I particularly love and rarely do, but uh, I have always found Tim Buckman to be a professional during our years of uh Working together, um, he's been in the business for a long time, so um, so he sits on the call. Hopefully, it doesn't impact Pierre and Fred's answers, and uh, we beat on boats against the current, and we we move forward here. All right, Pierre and Fred, welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. Thank you both. You um, you we're taping this the day after your first regular season game, which uh, was between the Chiefs and Chargers. You got a great game, one game in the books. So, Fred, let me go broad here and start with you. What did you like about last night from your perspective, and what do you think needs improvement from your perspective? I mean, I thought we covered the game, you know, the actual playing of the game, you know, exceptionally well, Rich. I think you know my philosophy. There's always going to be big moments in a game, and you want to make sure you nail those big moments. So the 99-yard interception return, you know, uh, and then what happened afterward where, you know, we noticed that Gerald Everett was asking out of the play right before because he had just run down to the two-yard line. They wanted to go no huddle, so he couldn't get out. And then 
I don't know if you'd call it a lazy route, but anyway, we picked up on that and showed that. I thought we were all over Justin Herbert's injury at the end of the game and what was going on with that. Uh, I thought Pierre did a really great job capturing the atmosphere and, you know, really having, uh, you know, both sides of the skirmish or, you know, the, the battle covered. So that part of it I thought was good. Um, the part that needs, you know, refinement is just, you know, the little details that most people are not going to know about, um, you know, a graphic here, uh, wish I would have done this over there and trying to get this new team. And we are a new team, you know, to gel as quickly as possible. So, you know, that's the thing that I would say, hey, let's let's work on the details for next week and get a little bit better in that area. Pierre from the director's chair. How did you see this in terms of what, in your opinion, really worked and then what you think needs improvement as we head forward? Well, I echo Fred, what Fred had to say. I mean, our, our number one responsibility is to serve the viewer and respect the football fans. So documenting the game was the number one thing we needed to do. And we need to be respectful of the football fan and make sure we gave them a elite, stand, uh, high-quality football broadcast. So from the standpoint of what, what I'm probably most proud of is the team itself gelling together quickly and ultimately being able to document the game. And the same point, Fred's, you know, one of the things we have to focus on is really getting to be a bit more in sync um, on different aspects of things that come with time and come with practice. And um, ultimately, I feel like the team itself um, should be really proud of, of the start. And we've set the standard that we need to do um, for a football broadcast. And each and every week, we need to improve on that broadcast and improve on our, our production. Fred, um, before I get to sort of some specifics about last night, um, I want I wanted to ask you this early in this podcast, and I realize that it might take a semester, little college semester, to answer this question. But do your best. Um, what has to be done to build an NFL broadcast from scratch, as you guys have done here? Uh, I mean, you know, it's probably a better question for Pierre because he's done way more of the heavy lifting than I have. Obviously, we've been in it together. Um, but, you know, when we started, when we got hired, you know, all we had was a logo. I mean, that was it. We had nothing else. We didn't have any other crew people. Uh, we didn't have a single piece of videotape. Uh, we didn't have any music. We had nothing, you know, and uh, working with, you know, Jared Stacy, uh, you know, Mike Miriano, uh, you know, we, we started to build those things and build a team and build a crew. And, you know, we when we got, you know, Al and Kirk and, and Kaylee settled, obviously that was a big deal. But, you know, Rich, uh, it, it, it was even different than when I went to NBC because when I left Monday night to go to Sunday night, um, you know, NBC was a, you know, a sports broadcaster and they had great people like Pierre and other people like that. So Drew and I walked in and, you know, we inherited a great team and we had to create, you know, a lot of things, but we had the infrastructure in place to do it and the people and the, and the professionals, you know, here, you know, we had it like, you know, we were like the cavemen, you know, we were just going out and foraging and, you know, figuring out how we were going to get all this stuff done. Uh, I'm really proud of, you know, uh, what everybody did. I think, you know, the Amazon folks were terrific, you know, just about really taking our, you know, lead on a lot of things. And they had a lot of great ideas as well, which is, which is what we all hoped. But when you start with nothing and then you end up where you are last night, that's a lot of work. All right, Pierre, uh, given what Fred said, um, why don't you take it from here in terms of how do you how do you begin this from scratch? 
I think the first thing it's worth noting is the support from Amazon from the top down was there. There was anything you needed to get this done. It was a company-wide vocation. And I think it's worth noting that, you know, from Jay Marie to Marie Donahue to Jared Stacey to Betsy Riley, all of them, you know, gave you anything you needed to do it. And I think you have to look at three parts because there was creating the show, graphics, um, music, all the different elements. There's creating the team. And there's merging them all together to create the, the workflow and infrastructure. And so it was a really a, a huge team-wide effort from everybody to kind of create that. But one of the things that, that really was key for a lot of us it was all the summer prep. Fred started the prep in April. And so a lot of that was done from graphics and everything else. And those are all going parallel. But really to, to help last night be the, the, the production it was, there's a lot of getting in sync. And I think one thing that's worth noting is that relationships that you build with everybody on the team. And we spent a lot of time in April, uh, in um, August uh, at SoFi Stadium and they were amazing. The LA Rams and everybody else were amazing, allowing us to have sort of a two week facilities to be able to set the truck up, to build the truck, to go through two practice games, two Rams games, and be able to, to really get comfortable with it. Because um, one of the things I kind of took away from this is, especially Fred can attest to this, is that partnership that you have with a producer and director and a technical director, that threesome together and it, it reaches a point where then that goes with a team and everybody on the same page and everybody thinking the same page. It's really, really important. So a lot of the prep during the summer was watching old shows, figuring out what we liked, what we didn't like, spending a lot of time with, we went to Fred's house several times to watch shows, to be able to get the opportunity to kind of talk through stuff. And then as a group, really spend a lot of time with each other, not, not only preparing um, for work, but also dinners and meals and everything else to be able to have that relationship. Um, my technical director, Brad Woodall, who's amazing, used to say to me all the time, hey, listen, my job is to be able to know what you're thinking before you speak. And I kind of took that to heart with, it's important for all of us to know what we're thinking and how we'll be able to interact. So there's many different levels to it. The first was creating all the elements. The second was creating the infrastructure. And the third was really important was creating a team that started in April, that started with practice games in August and led to uh, last night's broadcast. I appreciate that answer. I I'll definitely will get to your on-air broadcasts uh, eventually. The I like the animated open that you had. And that was obviously specific to, uh, the chiefs and Chargers as well as, uh, your honor talent. Is that, was that a one-time thing for this game or will that be the open for each week? And you just, you change the animation based on the teams. Yeah, here. It, it'll be, it'll be every single week, um, okay. with, a, with a different type of music and with different little nuggets in there and different little, um, Easter eggs in there, but it was created by, a uh, um, uh, Mark Titleman, who's the creative producer who uh, is very, very creative, works on Dublin Productions, and he spent a lot of time working on that, and it turned out uh, uh, pretty amazing. So it's, it'll be a, a distinct element of the show. One of the things that um, is is going to happen because of where you now work is that people's, um, people's experiences in terms of the product, the streaming product, will be different based on a million different variables, where they live, what their internet connection is, the device they're watching it on, so last night, if you wanted to use social media as a guide, there were people who had a flawless experience, said everything was great, picture quality was better than they ever had, was a phenomenal broadcast. There are others who, would, who said, my audio seemed off. It seemed a little off sync. Al's like, broadcast was a couple seconds ahead of my picture. There were others who had trouble signing on. I realize that this is sort of the world of streaming. It's going to happen. What I'm curious about for you guys, 
Are you aware of any of this or are you in the bubble on the truck and not focused on any of these external things and just focused on the game? I'm just wondering if that ever gets to you guys or that's handled elsewhere in Amazon. Fred? I mean, it never gets to us during the game, Rich. We, we can't be concerned about that. There's a game going on. You know, we have to cover that game as well as we can. Uh, obviously, at the end of the game, I'm scrolling through social media to see, and I, and I did that. And, you know, even my girlfriend lives in Manhattan. She said, oh, my God, you know, the experience on my iPad was amazing. My TV kept turning off. Uh, so she had two different experiences in the same room. Okay. All we can do is really worry about what our jobs are at this point. Um, I will say this about Amazon, and this is just an observation of, you know, being, being with the company for, you know, about the last six months. They're very customer oriented. And I, I think they're going to work like gangbusters to make sure that everybody has that great experience. Obviously, there are so many factors out of their control. Where do you live? What is your Wi-Fi like? What is the bandwidth? You know, who else is using it, you know, in your area? So, um, but they're very consumer and customer driven. And uh, I'm hopeful that, you know, every week this is going to be less and less a thing. But like you said, you know, I had one of my good buddies who lives in Jersey say, this is the best picture I've ever seen. What are you doing differently than you did on Sunday night? Yeah, it's interesting. Go ahead, Pierre. You know, Richard, it's worth noting uh, two things. One, we should only focus on what we can control, and that's the broadcast. And in the control room experience, it looked perfect. But Amazon, for the last forever, has been testing and testing another broadcast. They have a whole place that we're obsessed with uh, called the AVOC, um, which is where they have every single device you can imagine, people monitoring it, testing it. Um, they go through every aspect of it. The amount of testing is done, the amount of focus on latency. So it was the quickest possible experience. So I know I realize that um, some people may not have had a perfect experience, but they're so focused on that consumer experience that they're going to figure out a way to make sure it's determined. Um, there's a guy named Wade um, Wakashige, who is awesome. And he's sort of the problem solver for everything else. And he literally gave out his personal email to anybody and said, hey, email me device what the issue is. We'll figure it out because they're so focused on making sure this is the best um, experience for the viewer. Pierre, I'm going to stick with you. And then, Fred, if you could follow up, because obviously the easy way to would be to ask Fred this, just given uh, his tenure at Sunday Night Football. When I watched last night, I like I real I, I, it, it struck me or it felt like to me that you guys were really trying to go for the same kind of high quality as Sunday Night Football. Uh, not to say that it's an exact duplicate, because of course it's not. Like you have alternative telecasts that don't exist on Sunday Night Football. You have a different crew, etc. But there were just small touches from like how you guys would play music to your outs, which you you know you I know Fred loves to do on Sunday Night Football. You invested a lot of money on the theme music, which has always been a really important part of Sunday Night Football, is to like use um use music as a device to sort of be part of uh, the game. Um, the graphics had a certain um. Uh, like intellectual element to it that they were smart as well as like um, like just cool graphically done design wise. So Pierre, when you were doing t uh, yesterday's game as we taped this, um, like is it your hope that it feels like a Sunday Night Football broadcast even though you have your own unique Amazon touches? Uh, we're not trying to be Sunday Night Football. We're trying to be a high quality primetime broadcast and there's some distinct elements that may resonate between different broadcasts but our biggest focus was being the best possible football broadcast we could be 
And it goes back to the responsibility we have to the viewer to provide a high quality primetime broadcast. So a lot of the different executions, um, it, you know, it's no, no secret that obviously Fred was uh, created Sunday Night Football and that I worked on Sunday Night Football for six years. So there's some learnings you have from that, but never once in our mind was the thought of let's be like somebody else. Let's try and be somebody else. We wanted to be create, and it starts from the top of Amazon all the way down, a Thursday night football quality broadcast, and we're going to find our own identity. So you may have seen some things that may be similar, but we were trying to create our own identity. We've never really compared ourselves. Do you agree with that, Fred? Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I want to be better than Sunday night football. I mean, I don't want to be Sunday night football. I want to be better. Uh, and I want us to be better. And, you know, we have Al and Kirk and, Pierre and, you know, a lot of really talented people. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that really attracted me to this was, hey, you get to create something from scratch. Uh, you know, when back in 2006 and I was with Dick Ebersol, that was a blast, you know, you know, being, you know, doing it with him. And uh, so I had a little experience at it and I really wanted to try to do that one more time. But I didn't want I wasn't coming in with the attitude is, OK, yeah, you know, we're an expansion team. You know, we'll win a few games this year and you maybe we'll surprise a couple of people. I'm like, no, I mean, we know how to do football. Uh, we have Al, we have Kirk. And, uh, you know, there isn't any real reason that our broadcast shouldn't be as good as anyone else's and hopefully better. Pierre, let me ask you a tech question here, uh, and then we'll get in a little bit into the booth. Um, I was reading a piece from a publication called TV News Check, and it was a guy named Glenn Dixon. I hope I have that right. And he had mentioned that there would be a total of 50 cameras working Thursday Night Football, including 31-man cameras and a variety of ro robotic aerial POV units, dual sky cam cameras, 13 super slow-mo cameras, and then all sorts of, you know, robotic cameras, a pylon camera, and uh, all these other toys. It, did that turn out to be the case? Is, like, are those numbers that I have accurate? Are they close to accurate? Because obviously, um, that's a massive investment in terms of the infrastructure of putting a game on. They're about accurate. Um, but but I would say that that Amazon wanted to do this at the highest level, and they invested uh, across the board all the resources to be able to, to document the game properly. Do you guys, when it comes to, like, some of these alternate uh, presentations. Let's take the all 22 sort of uh, camera or angle that you can get when you uh, graphically like it lists all the players on an all 22. Do you guys, are you doing anything with that or like you two specifically or your production truck or does that come out of a, a, a different production truck and you are just focused on, I'll use my own layperson terms, like the main broadcast? We're focused on the Al Kirk broadcast. You know, some of those cameras come through our truck and we check them out and fax them and make sure they're all integrated, but they're getting piped back to another facility where the alternate feeds are being produced. Fred, um, have you heard at this point from anybody in the NFL, and I do want to ask you specifically, have you heard from Roger Goodell? I know you have a long-standing relationship with him about the broadcast. Well, I saw him last night, so we spoke before the game. Uh, I did not hear from him after the game. Uh, Howard Katz was buzzing me like about two minutes ago here, so I'm sure I'll be touching base with him. Uh, you may want to. You may want to actually, if you need to, Fred. You're welcome to hang up on me because I know how important getting a good schedule is next year. Uh, and uh, I did hear from Hans Schroeder, you know, uh, and he was very complimentary of the broadcast last night. So, uh, you know, that that's what I've heard so far. Okay, Pierre. Uh, I mean, I apologize for asking you this, but. Uh, you, no extra bonus, right, for taking a shot at Jeff Bezos for you? That just happened in the course of play? 
no extra bonus for that. But it, I think okay. it was it was a good, good a good shot for us to get in there. Yeah, you did have the commissioner there yeah. next to you, so so there you go. It came right the evolution piece, right? The evolution of TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. I give Al a lot of credit. He had some good lines there. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, Fred, let me start with you. You have a long-standing history with Al Michaels, obviously. And, um, you know, like everybody has their subjective um, viewpoints on broadcasters. And, you know, there's no right or wrong answer here. But, like, in general, like, Al Michaels, if you say he's the greatest play-by-play broadcaster in the in NFL history, you're not going to get many people to argue with you. Like, it's Pat Summerall or Al Michaels, and then, like, then there's a conversation after that. And they, that's very rare. Fred, as you know, you worked in the business for a long time. There's not many people where, like, that definitiveness is, like, you're not going to argue against it. So you have Al, which already gives you, to me, like, significant credibility with the broadcast. We both know that there were... Amazon had conversations with other people to potentially be an analyst. Troy Aikman, including on this podcast, has been very honest about talking to Amazon. He thought at one point that it was going to be Al and uh, and Troy Aikman, which would have been really, really interesting. Sean McVay obviously went down the road here, John Lynch and others. Um, So now that you've had Kirk for a little bit, I want to ask you, um, what has stood out to you, you knew that he was obviously an, an excellent game caller when it came to college. Um, were you of the belief right away that that he could make this transition to the pros? How did you see it? You know, it's funny when uh, they asked me to speak to Kirk. Um, I reflected back on a game, an NFL game he had done about three weeks earlier. He had done a Denver Kansas City game. It was a Week 18 game. It was on Saturday. I had done the exact same game three weeks ago. So uh, they said to me, hey, you know, would you speak to him? And I said, sure, I'll speak to him. I didn't get to see the game live. But then I went home and I, you know, I downloaded it. And I watched it. And, you know, uh, he was completely on the storylines of both teams and the nuances of both teams. And then I thought about the date this game was played. So he had done like a national semifinal, I believe, in the Orange Bowl. Flew to L.A., did the Rose Bowl, flew into Denver, did this Kansas City-Denver game. And then two nights later, he had the uh, national championship game. So this was in, in, in the midst of an enormous week for him that had to have just, you know, a crazy amount of preparation. Yet he's talking about the Chiefs and the Broncos like he's been following them all year long. So once I saw that, I was like, well... You know, if he could, he knew as much as I did. Okay. And I did the game three weeks earlier and he probably knew a little bit more. Um, And I was like, okay, if he can do that, then he can do, he can do, he can do football. And, you know, the one thing that was, was really intriguing to me, obviously it's been well-documented the shuff, you know, the shuffling of the booths and and all that this year, but we were going to have a unique booth that no one had ever heard. You know, we, you know, we, you know, obviously the guy who's considered the best in college, the guy who's considered, you know, the all time best in the NFL 
So that really intrigued me as well, that we would have something fresh, that there would be some curiosity about, oh, I wonder what this is going to be like. And, you know, I think so far it's been pretty good. Fred, let me just follow up with you, then I'll do something on Pierre, if you can be honest with me on this. Um, did you change anything philosophically of how you would have done this because it was Kirk as opposed to someone like Troy Aikman, who has been calling NFL games for 21 years? No. I mean, look, uh, you know, the, the one thing about Kirk and, you know, Pierre was we went to, went to visit Kirk uh, once he got the job. We went to Cincinnati. Uh, I, I, we brought the national championship game and uh, we brought a, a Sunday night football game. And we watch them back to back. And as we're watching the game, we're talking through. And obviously, they're, you know, college and pro are different. But I'm saying, hey, here's what I'm thinking here. You know, and he's like, well, this is what I'm thinking here. And there was a lot of mesh, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, how we were seeing the game. Um, but no, I mean, if it were Troy, I, I would have done the same thing. And look, I, I think I've watched enough of Troy in my life, you know, to kind of figure out what kind of, you know, honestly is. He's obviously very good. And you know, comes with the, you know, the, you know, imprimatur being a three-time Super Bowl champion and a Hall of Famer. Uh, but um, I, I wouldn't change anything, and I, and I didn't change anything. Pierre, um, I've talk, having talked to Fred about things like this for, you know, more than a decade, I'm really fascinated by production meetings. Like, you know, someone in my position doesn't get to be in there. But it's just, like, really interesting because, like, you know, like the my colleagues at The Athletic, do not have private sit downs with, you know, Tom Brady, uh, you know, Todd Bowles. And like you, you guys are afforded this to make the broadcast as best as possible. I certainly know enough about production meetings to know that by and large across the NFL, they're usually led by the lead analyst. That's the person who sort of takes the lead in these production meetings. And then people like yourself and Fred may have a couple questions. Uh, you know, someone in Al's position or Kaylee's position has questions. Kirk has never run NFL production meetings or would never have obviously prior to this year. So could you take me inside at least the first one? And like, was Kirk the designated person to run it? And like, how, how did it work? Because obviously on a Sunday night football broadcast, we know Collinsworth is going to run those meetings. How did it work for you guys? Well, I would tell you that, that I noticed no difference, whether it was Kirk or somebody else there, he was very comfortable in it. And I wouldn't say that one ran or the other ran. To me, I felt like it was a partnership between Al and Kirk. And you can see that relationship in those meetings. You know, they were bouncing off when maybe one person started, somebody followed up back and forth. So I wouldn't use to designate anybody as a leader in that as much as Al and Kirk together, really building up a relationship and getting some information from the players and the coaches. And I also think it's worth noting, you know, Fred has a lot of built-in relationships with the coaches as well. So in those meetings, um, it, it doesn't feel like interviews as much as conversations. And there's a huge respect factor in there. Um, that the players and the coaches have with Al and Kirk and Fred and everybody else. So to answer your question in short, it, it's really fascinating to fly on the wall, but I think it's also worth taking a bigger picture. I've always approached a broadcast as an open book test. And to me, a lot of those meetings are almost like those study groups you have in advance where you, you've done a lot of prep, but you meet with the group and you talk to the players and coaches and they sometimes confirm or give you information, explain things. And those, those meetings are invaluable for the broadcast because it helps all of us together talk through what we're thinking and in turn what the players and coaches are thinking to help us lead and guide the broadcast. Fred, did you want to add to that? You've been in a million of these, in these production meetings. How did you see that one? You know, one of the things that struck me is most of the players had been through Kirk before they ever got to us. Yeah, that's interesting. Right? Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, Mahomes, she knew Kirk from his Texas Tech days, you know, so Kirk knew Mahomes way before, you know, Chris or Al or I knew Mahomes. And 
and, you know, the coaches, uh, you know, just no Kirk from listening to him on Saturday night, you know. So, um, you know, I think Pierre described it pretty well. Uh, you know, like in the Madden days, you know, Madden would start the meeting. He had a he had, a, he had almost like a script on how he would do it. You know, we'd start with the depth chart. We'd go down the depth chart, you know, and then he would go. And then Al would come in and Al was looking for things much different than John was looking for. And and Chris kind of did it. I kind of I kind of took over Madden's role with the depth chart. Then Chris did his thing. And, you know, Al always remained true. He was much more interested in, you know, personal stories. And if something happened to the guy, like he got traded, hey, how did you hear about it? Who told you? What were you doing? What was your what was your first call? He was always trying to get that kind of information because that's really interesting. That information to relay on a broadcast. So. You know, everybody's got a role. Everybody's got what they need, and it all kind of meshes together. Um, all right, a couple more uh, things here on this. Fred, let me give. Can I give you my theory on on why it has meshed so quickly and well between Alan Kirk? And I think that's legit. Like it, their chemistry has existed from the jump. Okay, you can tell me if I'm full of shit here or if it's a great theory. So Al Michaels, at this point of his career, there's nothing left to prove. He's whatever. He's he's. Again, the guy's on the Mount Rushmore. He's he's been lauded as anybody can be lauded. I think all of this kind of work for him is gravy at this point. I mean, he's had this incredible career. Now he's uh, working for Amazon. He, you know, he's 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 certainly going to be making enough to you know pay for his tennis courts in Los Angeles, whatever he's playing right right now on. I think because he has nothing to prove, okay, and because I don't even think he's motivated at all by like, oh, I should still be doing NBC games because I feel like that that's sort of that. You know, this wasn't a Leno Letterman situation. It was sort of handled a lot better. So here's my theory. My theory is that if you're Al, you really like have invest. You have an investment in wanting this new thing to work and to be cool. And because of that, you're going to make Kirk look fantastic because it doesn't matter for you to hog the mic. You don't have to sort of show off or anything like that. It doesn't have to be about you. It it's more about like can this whole thing work. So that's why I think immediately the chemistry was great where if let's say it's a 42-year-old broadcaster, first time they ever had an NFL play-by-play job as a number 1, I feel like they're like they, I got to you know, I got to be impactful on this broadcast so the viewer knows this is my broadcast. You buy that? That's my theory on why why I I knew it would work regardless, but that's my theory on why it works from the jump from the exhibition game. Yeah, I think, you know, I just think you might be just selling Al. I mean, look, I get the point where you say, yes, he's on Mount Rushmore. There's nothing left to prove. But, you know, I think Al, I mean, look, I don't think, I know I've been with him for 22 years. Um, He doesn't want to be part of anything that really isn't excellent. And he knows his role in making it excellent. Obviously, it's a great play call or all of that. But he knows that people want to have to enjoy the listen. You know, they, they want to enjoy, you know, all the people who be speaking on the broadcast. So that's his investment. You know, he that he wants that. Um, you know, I think when you talk about uh, uh, there's an ex-player, I'm not going to mention his name, but we were trying to hire him at one point. He ended up going somewhere else. And I said, listen, you got to understand something. Your partner, uh, he's fighting for his own life here. I said, he doesn't really care about you and your life. Not that he doesn't like you or anything like that, but he's got a own name. 
And uh, he's going to be making his own name, and it might be at your expense sometimes. And it ended up coming true and all that. But, you know, with Al, you're right. That's not the deal. He doesn't have to do that. But more than that, it's really just about the fact that, you know, he's always been associated with the best of broadcasting. And he's played a major role in why it's been the best. So why would he change that now at this stage of his career? Pierre, by the way, that might not even be my theory. I really just wanted to get a good quote from Fred Goodell and get him going. I feel like it worked. So go ahead, Pierre. I would just say that from my my outside opinion or my outside observations, Kirk and Al have worked really hard at the partnership to build that relationship. So they sound, you know, it's a conversation during the broadcast and you don't have that conversation if you aren't building a relationship and, and get along really well. So again, going back to dinners, time together, production meetings, they're always talking about different things, not necessarily NFL related things. But they really worked really uh, closely in the time we've had together to be able to to build that relationship. And it's only get better and better and better with the more games they get to do and the more time they get to spend together. Pierre, let me stay with you uh, because, you know, again, having embedded with teams and having talked to like, you know, the Nances and people like that in the world, I know that the chemistry actually gets formed not on the booth. It gets formed on dinners. It gets formed on people spending time in the offseason. So did could you just give my listeners a sense of like how much time did Alan Kirk spent together either in person or on Zooms or texting? Was Kaylee part of that? Because the reality is like these relationships, like you got to like the person off the booth. And that's how everybody, I feel like, becomes a, has a great partnership. It's, it's about the dinner on Friday night far more than the game, I always feel like, on Sunday afternoon. I can't speak to how much communication they had before the season started. I can only speak to the times that I've been around them. But every moment I've been around them, they've always been interacting joking, talking baseball, talking whatever it is. Kaylee obviously is a big part of the team. The whole collective team spends a lot of time together on the road. You know, we, we reference it a lot, but it's almost our, our work family, our travel family. And you spend a lot of time uh, away together. But the, the interactions with, with the three of them and obviously with Fred and, and myself has been phenomenal. But um, it's always fun. It's always conversational. And you just can see that chemistry building as they get more and more comfortable. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, a couple more here. Fred, I know that you... um. You and Pierre have no control over this, but the reality is like y- you are used to doing games that's going to draw 18, 19, 20 million and a, in a great game, 25 million, 26 million. Like these, the viewership, even if Amazon like exceeds its own expectations is not going to be close to those numbers this year. Um, does that have any impact on you and Pierre? I know you, I, you do the job, but I don't know. Do you try not to think about that? Do you care about how many people are watching compared to some of the broadcasts that you two have previously done? I only care for Amazon's sake because I want them to have the biggest audience uh, that they can possibly have. For me personally, uh, I you know I don't I don't really think about that, and it doesn't affect anything I do. I'm trying, you know, we're trying to put on the best possible broadcast that we can. 
And so, oh well, it's only eight million people this week. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna study as hard as I studied last week. That that's that's never entered into the equation of anything I've ever done. I mean, you know, Rich, we all started on small shows. You know, I mean, I started on Australian Rules football like in 1984. That you know, the, the, the live airing was at 1 a.m. You know, uh, I don't think there were a lot of people watching it back then. But as a professional, it was like the Super Bowl. Oh my God, you know, we're doing, you know. We're doing Australian rules football and that never leaves. It doesn't leave me. I mean, Hey, we're on the air. We've worked really hard for this. There are people watching, you know, we want it to be a great experience for the person at home. So that has zero impact on me. Fred, I, there have been times, um, where, um, and not a ton for your broadcast, but sometimes where you might have, um, you might bring in a guest into the broadcast who's like, um, you know, very unique or, 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 you know, I know it's not a Manning cast per se, but there have been times you've done a broadcast where someone sort of famous has popped into the booth. Is there any expectation that that'll happen on Thursday night football or leak from your perspective, it's most likely going to be just Kirk and Al this year. I mean, I think it's most likely just going to be Kirk and Al. I mean, look, uh, you know, that's always a gamble. If it's somebody that the football fandom, you know, really adores and it makes sense, you know, so if it were, you know, uh, Barry Sanders or Jerry Rice or, you know, someone like that. Sure. Because every football fan, you know, loves those guys. Uh, you know, one of the downfalls when I was at Monday night football, you know, we had to put on all these, you know, B and C actors and actresses, you know, in oh, I remember that. Year. Yeah. yeah. I mean that year, like all four years, <laughs> uh, you know, and you know, that's where you're insulting the viewer. Like, yeah, this person just happened to drop by tonight because they had nothing better to do. And they're in Dallas for the, you know, Eagles and the Cowboys, you know, and it doesn't make any sense. And th that's when you start turning people off. And, you know, it was one of the things I loved about NBC, like right off the bat, there was an edict. Hey, nobody in the booth other than Alan John or Alan Chris. And you know, we'd make an exception for a Peyton Manning, you know, when he retired, you know, somebody like that that the football audience is going to really appreciate and enjoy what they have to say. Yeah. Shout out to Christian Slater. For, <laughs> um, the uh, Pierre um, for, I, from doing a little bit of research. Um, and again, this is not, you know, I, I obviously do not have any experience in terms of the tech of a, of a production uh, facility, but in reading about where you and Fred are sitting during these games, this is, supposedly like a unique production truck, like unlike any other production truck that has existed in the NFL. And one of the things that stood out to me, cause it's like easy for a moron like myself to understand largest monitor wall in a truck that sort of has existed for the NFL as best you can. Again, for my listeners, you know, very few of them will have ever been inside an NFL production truck. Um, like what is, what does this mean for you as a director? How, how is something like that production truck, how does it make your job more interesting or better for the viewers? I think it, well, let's start off with the, the, the responsibility of all that stuff leads, falls on our leads and our tech managers. So the truck itself was, was led by JP Palmer from Amazon and our lead technicians, Brad Woodall, Ryan Alcott, Sam Edison, Bob Gray, um, all spent a lot of time making the truck work. What I think makes this, and again, you, I'm not going to get into superlatives. I don't know what, what, what it is in relation to everything else. It's a brand new HDR truck, which basically means that the video quality um, that eventually people get at home is going to be spectacular. And right now you can see the picture quality being exceptional. And in the future, it's going to be even another level. 
it allows uh, us to be able to have more resources, more cameras, more facilities to be able to do everything we need to do. And again, going back to the sort of the original point about Amazon's infrastructure, there is so much transmission and redundancy and protections to make sure the viewers at home have the best experience. So there's a lot of technical um, uh, design behind this truck, and it was designed with the future in mind. So yes, this is this year, but it's designed that three, four or five years in a row, the next level of whatever it is, it can do and can grow with regards to all those resources, and I took this some advice from Fred on one time and he mentioned one of his Super Bowls. One of the one of the, the things I've really focused on is not letting all the extra stuff get in the way of what you need to do. So I really focused on sort of narrowing my vision and um, my ability to direct to the, the key cameras because ultimately it's these resources and bells and tools are gonna be great in situational things, but you can't let them distract you. So a big focus of mine personally as a director is being able to just maybe simplify things a little bit. But I will say this, the control room is spectacular and the monitor wall is spectacular. So um, it, 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 is, it is, again, it's going back to Amazon. They've spared no expense in making sure we have the best facilities to put on the best experience for viewers. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I got two more. Fred, um, I, I thought objectively uh, prior to the season, the NFL really gave you guys a good schedule. Like it, it, it you know, the quote unquote cliche on paper, it looks really good. Now, as you know, shit happens. And so from your perspective, all right, I guess sort of let me ask it this way. Um, you, you would agree the schedule looks good on paper, but there are things that you have to hope, like, you know, Dak Prescott's out. You don't want him to be out the whole year. Packers got off to a rough start. You got to obviously hope that they're a, they're a pretty good team. Um, when you look at the schedule overall, though, I feel like for a, a first-time schedule for a, um, this new entity, um, I thought it was pretty good. How did you see it? No, I did, too. I mean, you you know, last night, I mean, you, I, mean I, I, I mean, I think that was the top matchup of week two. I agree. A-plus. Home. Herbert, it was Kansas City's home opener, so you knew the atmosphere was going to be great, and the game delivered. Um, you know, we have Russell Wilson and, and Matt Ryan. We have, you know, we have Brady against Lamar Jackson. I mean, that that was a Sunday night game two years ago. You know, I did that game two years ago when Tom was in his final year in New England. Um, I've always thought the best games are about the quarterback matchups. You know, uh, that that's when you know you're probably going to have a good game and you're going to get an attraction. You know, obviously, T.J. Watt's not going to play next week, you know, when we have the Steelers and the Browns. That's a bummer. He's a great player. He's a defensive player of the year. And you can watch him every play, and it's fun. You know, so not having him out there definitely hurts. And, you know, hopefully Dak is back in four weeks, as Jerry maintains. And, you know, Dallas doesn't fall out of it. But you know there are going to be games that just don't hold up. That's just the way it is. And, you know, that's when you have to, you know, suck it up and do your job and, you know, try to make the best of it and hope you have either a great game or a major blizzard. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, the, the, the optics, the images are nice. All right, last two. Pierre, real quick, specific to you. You're still doing Premier League? You're still point on that? Yes, I am. 
but, okay. but um, trusting a lot of people on the on the team to manage the day to day and sort of big picture for for the fall. With Amazon being Amazon being my focus. How does your brain handle that, Pierre? You go from the NFL to the English Premier League. That's uh, you know that's quite a that's quite a little twist and turn on one single year week, right? Well, it's football and football, and the nice thing is Amazon um, with the games on Thursday allows Saturdays and Sundays for me to to keep an eye on teams playing as well. All right, good. We'll be watching uh, Holland and the rest of the folks in the Premier League continue to roll. All right, final. This is final one for both of you. And again, I appreciate your time. I'm always interested uh, um, in talking to people in your position, so I, I do appreciate the time. All right, Fred. I don't want to overstate this, but when you and Pierre were um, in the truck yesterday, like, did you feel like you were at the ground floor of something like really big? And this is going to exist probably. I don't know if you're going to go the whole run with Amazon. If you, I'll be talking to you eleven years from now, but I don't want to overstate this. But like, I was thinking, like, if this does turn out to sort of change how football is watched and like streaming. Uh, services become much, much bigger in the next NFL contract. You know, in some ways, you're like the guys who like are in uh, Menlo Park, California, in 1998 at Google, right? Like this, and like, you don't know what this is going to become, but look what that became. So I don't know. Did you did you feel any of that? Or because you and Pierre have such specific jobs that you got to focus on, you can't step outside yourselves and think, oh man, like tonight felt like the beginning of something that was really groundbreaking and game-changing. Completely. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I've done a lot of big games. I've done, you know, seven Super Bowls and all that. But last night was special uh, because, you know, you only get that opportunity one time. What's the saying? You don't get a second chance to make a first impression. And, uh, you know, I and Pierre, we really wanted it to be something that Amazon was going to be proud of and that we were going to be proud of. And most of all, that the viewers are going to say, wow. Yeah, this is football. This is how we love to see it. It's 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 of the best quality. And yeah, I'm going to give this streaming thing, a, you know, a chance. And uh, I definitely felt that, you know, I definitely had butterflies, you know, most of the morning and before the game, you know, until we kicked off and started doing our jobs. Uh, so, yeah, it you know, I'm I'm honored to have been chosen, you know, to have done that. Uh, I, I was proud, you know, to be there last night. I can assure you, you will not be speaking to me in 11 years about the final year of the Amazon contract. Uh, but other than that, it was, um, yeah, it was a special night for me. What about you, Pierre? I'd, I'd echo that. I would just note the the entire company. It means so. Last night meant so much. The entire company. They were so so passionate from the programmer to the person who does distribution to to you name it. The entire company was behind this. It, it was a huge company vocation. And I had nerves because I felt a real responsibility to that team that have entrusted us to be able to put on this broadcast and to represent that company in that. And, and I also say that that what is, was special about last night was we spent so much time planning and putting this together. And, you know, Jared Stacey deserves a lot of credit from starting from scratch, but everybody put so much time and effort to get to this point. And it's really a tribute to both the NBC team and the Amazon team to be able to put this collaboration together. And now we actually got to stop planning and actually do a broadcast and to see things from a graphical look with the first version of it to seeing it executed, the music planning from the beginning to the end to the announced team. Um, it was a pretty, it was a very special night. And it, it also helps when you have a game of that caliber and when it's, when it's close down to finish and everything else. But um, I think all of us are really proud of, of what was accomplished. Now, the thing that we have to remember is that was the first game. We still have 
you know, 11 years to go and everything else, but it was a very good starting point, but it meant a lot to a lot of people. And so in turn, um, I think all of us were really proud to, to be able to help create the, the start of Thursday Night Football on Amazon. You know, Rich, uh, I was at ESPN, you know, when we had the first NFL game and I actually worked the game. It was in the Meadowlands. It was the Patriots and, and the Giants. Uh, and um, I just know what, what the NFL did for ESPN. I mean, it put it on a rocket, you know, to the moon and that rocket is still, you know, still in orbit. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, obviously Amazon is a huge company, a, a hugely successful company, but the NFL can take you places that most other entities can't. And I think it's going to be really exciting for them. Fred Goodelli is the executive producer for Thursday Night Football on Prime Video. Pierre Musa is the lead director of Thursday Night Football on Prime Video. One down for these gentlemen, 11 years to go. Uh, Fred and Pierre, thank you. Uh, this is this is very, very, very kind of you to uh, jump on this podcast less than 24 hours after the conclusion of your first game. Um, congratulations and uh, and have a great season. I'm sure I will uh, I will talk to you both. Uh, Fred Gadelli, Pierre Musa. Thanks for joining me today on the Sports Media Podcast. Thanks for having us. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to Fred Gadelli and Pierre Musa for their time. I've uh, been looking forward to this conversation for a while. And, uh, and that was really interesting. Um, hopefully to you, it certainly was to me. Previous podcast um, this week, we did uh, sports broadcaster turned agent Alex Flanagan and uh, Chad Finn on all of the uh, games of the first week and what we thought of Buck Aikman and Burkhard Olsen, etc. Uh, had a conversation with Jenny Brentis of the New York Times and Lindsey Jones of The Ringer on covering the NFL, and particularly the hard stories of the NFL. Podcast prior to that one was a conversation with Richie Zions and Rich Russo, Fox's top NFL producer, Fox's top NFL director, um, contemporaries of my guests on this podcast. And again, we talk about what it's like to produce and direct NFL football games. We got into the new Burkhart and Olsen combination. Before that, how do you land a pro sports play-by-play job? Conversation with Michael Grady, new television voice of the Timberwolves, Anish Shroff, the new radio voice of the Carolina Panthers. Prior to that, ESPN NHL broadcaster, Leah Hextall on uh, what it was like for her as a first-year ESPN NHL analyst. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and some of the ugly was, was, was really ugly, and you can hear that conversation um, for sure. Again, the, um, the the comments have been awesome. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I should be like Jimmy Train and to offer some kind of prize if you leave a five-star review and a note and a, a Twitter handle. I'm going to have to work on that. It's kind of a genius move by Train to get some good reviews there um, but thank you for all the five star reviews and uh, and a nice note that is absolutely how this podcast continues so it is much appreciated want to thank patrick antonetti for his hard work he's been churning out these podcasts and doing an amazing job um, that is the real talent uh, and yeah not not what i do but, you know you can train a seal to ultimately do um want to thank everybody Cadence 13 for their support mostly thank you for listening we will see you soon on the sports media podcast